Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Well, today is the launch of our care group ministry, and uh, I am so excited. You know, I say this every time I get up here, I know, but I really am excited about what God's doing in our church, and uh, we have seen some great things take place over the past six months, Um, you know, just a complete transformation, and uh, God is being glorified at Celebration. God is being glorified at Celebration. (laughs) Okay. So just making sure you're all out there, we're still, we, we are, uh, we, someone was laughing with us this week that uh, y'all are Southerners and the Southerners are, res- are responsive and we're just Northern and we're not responsive. And I just said baloney on that. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're a Northerner or a Southerner or a Westerner or Easterner or whatever you are, heaven's going to be quite noisy. So, <laughs> um, so anyway. We are launching our, our care groups, and our care group ministry is our small group ministry. And uh, in, your, in your bulletin, there's notes for today's message, and I'm just going to share with you why we do small groups, why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go. We're going to start in Acts chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to preach on the power of small groups this morning. And as we do, I just want to review with you our values of our church. Our values are our guideposts. It's, it provide, they provide the five values of our church, provide the direction and, and guideposts for our church as we move forward. And uh, if you have not received, we have a great full-color uh, explanation booklet of our values and who we are as a church that we gave out uh, the 1st of January. If you have not received one of those or maybe you lost it, I keep mine in the top desk drawer of my desk. You say, well, you're the pastor. You should keep that. No. I, I mean, that's true, but, but I keep it there because I reference it weekly. I go to it every week and I assess, I ask myself, is this what we're doing? Is this book, what we've said and who we said we are, is this what we're doing? I ask myself every week. So, I would encourage you, if you've not gotten one, they're available on our website, and they're also available at the Information Center, so you can grab those either place. Uh, By the way, I will mention that most of what you can get at the Information Center or anything about our events, bulletins, all of our bulletins are online. You can always go to our website. You can sign up, request visits, request information, uh, get information. It's all available on our website. We also have a church app that you can check out. But our values, the five values, and I want to share again these with you this morning. First is the message, that we're reaching our community and the world with the message of Jesus Christ. That is our message, that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is coming back. Those are our four core doctrines. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. That's our spiritual DNA. So that is our message, the message of Christ. And then secondly, discipleship. Discipleship is a transforming journey with Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And so we believe in discipleship. You're not just coming to church, checking the checklist, and going home and going about your merry way, and there's nothing happening during the week. That's not Christianity. I might walk back to my office and come back out and make sure that you all are still here. 
Christianity is not just coming to church and checking off the checklist and saying, oh good, good, you did a good job. You went to church on Sunday and you, you, you marked the list and you, you made your presence. No, no, Christianity is a long journey uh, in the same direction. There's a book actually called that. It's a, long, it's a long journey in the same direction that we're headed towards Christ. He's transforming our lives together. And so I don't want to be a church, and I don't want to be a Christian that just comes to church on Sunday and that's it. I need Christ to impact my life every day of the week. I don't know about you, but I have issues that I need Jesus to deal with. And somebody's sitting there thinking, well, he's got this problem, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm sure you are, and you probably have the same ones. <laughs> I need Jesus to transform my life. And then thirdly, community. And this is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Intentional Christ-centered relationships. Small groups are our care group ministry. Is how it, it is the main way, the key way that we fulfill our value of community. It is, the, it is the structure of community within our larger gathering. And so we're going to talk about that today. Community and then worship. Number four, worship is the overflow of our experience with Christ. Amen. That you, you know, if you have a trouble worshiping, if you have trouble entering in, then probably there's a disconnect during the week. If you have trouble worshiping God corporately, there's probably a disconnect during the week somewhere. I love getting together on Sundays, on Wednesdays, and worshiping with my church family. There is, there is nothing more during the week that I'd rather do than get together with my brothers and sisters, my family in Christ, and worship Jesus together. There's nothing better. You, you may sit and scour and scorn and look ugly out there, but that's okay. And I'll look ugly up here and we'll all smile together and love Jesus together. Uh, I, Bonhoeffer, in one of his books, if, if, you, if you don't know the life and the story of Bonhoeffer, I would go and, and encourage you to read. But in one of his books, he says, God doesn't put us with the people that we love and like and are, it's always going to be smooth sailing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He puts us with our enemies. <laughs> And he always pairs us up with the people that rubs us the wrong way. And he's going to put us in a community of believers that maybe do something a little different than we do. And, and may rub us the wrong way. And he does that so that we can begin to learn to walk together in unity. Bonhoeffer died for that. He was martyred uh, by the Nazis as a result of that belief. And then there's missional living. Number five, missional living. Loving others with purpose. There is someone around you that needs to experience the love of Jesus that you've experienced. You may say, well, I've only been born again for two minutes. That's okay. You've experienced something to share. You've got something to give. Well, I don't feel qualified or equipped. Or, has Jesus done something in your life? It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the right answers. Just love on somebody. Just find somebody that you can love on, that you can put your arm around and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you and pray for them. Yeah. Don't, don't walk away and forget about it. Pray for them right on the spot. Let's pray about this right now. Well, I, you know, I'm having struggles. I don't have any money to give to you. It's what Peter, Peter and John said. We don't have any money to give to you, but what, I feel like that way a lot. <laughs> I'd love to give everybody $1,000, million. I'd, love, I'd be a great dispensing agent. You know, Jesus, give me money. I'll give it away. But I don't have it. Silver and gold I don't have. But I'll pray for you right now. 
Let's pray about that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know that you, you are the great provider. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You're going to supply and take care of my needs. Amen. And so that, that is loving others on purpose. It may be the person in the grocery store line checking you out, and you're thinking, can you hurry it up? Can you speed this process up any? And instead of thinking about speeding it up and, and all of those things, you begin to say, you know what? How's your day today? Why, why don't you take time the next time you're in the grocery store line and say, hey, how's your day today? Has it been busy? What's going on? Have you had a rough day? And you begin to just take that 30 seconds, minute, two minutes that you're with them and impart life to them. Begin to love them on purpose. Our personal story, I'll share my story. Heather probably has her own stories with small groups. But I'll, I'll share my story about small group ministry and why, why small groups are so important and how it's impacted my life. I remember growing up when I was, when I was a teenager, we didn't have, uh, we had an interim time where we didn't have a youth pastor. When I was a teenager, uh, we were without a youth pastor, and, and I, th I think our senior pastor was at the time said, why don't you just lead a small group, basically? Why don't you lead a group and, and do a Wednesday night class with the youth? I had felt called to ministry, and so I started leading the small group, and there was probably five or six, ten, however many. It wasn't very large, but I began to lead the small group, and it began to grow, and there were nights. I remember one particular night that uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, I was teaching, doing things, and he said, you need to pray for people. And I thought, okay, I'll pray for people. And when I went to pray for, I didn't even touch them. I went to pray for the person, and they fell out. And I was, I thought, what's that? Well, you know, that doesn't happen, and, you know, that doesn't happen in our church. What's, all, what's that all about? And, you know, it was the presence of God. Of course, the presence of God was coming on them. And, you know, I've often, those of you that have been around have probably heard me say that. I, I never asked, I never said to God, God, I want a mantle that, you know, people start falling out, rolling on the floor, praying. You know, I never asked for all of that. It just happened. And that's how I learned how to flow in that and operate in that. I don't, it's not something I make happen. It happens. It's the mantle on my life. And, uh, and so it just happens. And so that's how I began to learn to operate in the power of God, in the presence of God, and how to teach and preach and minister and how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And then fast forward the, the, the history tape here. I'm sure you're all excited. I feel like I need one of those old slideshows, you know, when you would click the button and you can see the reel. But uh, fast forward, and when I moved to New Orleans, um, you know, I was involved in small groups. Well, when I moved to New Orleans, I met Heather. And uh, I'll never forget, there was this guy in our church there that uh, when I first started going there, he bugged me like crazy to go to his small group. And I thought, I mean, every week I got a phone call from this guy, are you coming to my small group? I still remember that. Thank God he did. You know, he was trying to get me connected. And uh, I thought to myself, I'm not going to your small group, I'm going to Heather's small group. I was no dummy. I knew, I knew that if I was interested in her, I better be at her small group. So if you're single this morning, that's a great way. No, I'm just, it's true though. And uh, so I went to her small group. She was, of course, she, her small group was teaching on the Holy Spirit at the time. And uh, it was a great small group. Yeah, surprise, surprise. She taught on, I think it was the, it was the book we taught when we first got here, was the class that she was teaching in that group. And uh, so she taught that, and we connected through that small group, became friends as a result of that, got married <laughs> as, a, as a, I guess, sort of result of that. And I 
as later, after that group ended, started my own group. I had one of the fastest growing guys groups. That was, um, that was how I proved myself at, at the church that I was called to ministry. They said, you feel called to ministry? Great. Go lead a small group. And when I led the small group, it was the growing, it was fastest growing. We had all the young guys that were coming. Matter of fact, most of those guys were involved in our wedding. There were relationships that we developed, and they were part of our wedding. And so it became the connection place for us. And so uh, that's how I also proved myself for ministry and then became a pastor and, and began to show evidence of my calling to, uh, to the leadership of that church. And so it's important. Uh, small groups become a place of, of relationships. Uh, the, the small groups form a place of relationships that give opportunity for discipleship and leadership. Small groups are what we call care groups, and the reason we're calling them care groups is because they're a place for caring for one another. So this, is not, uh, this isn't hard to understand. We're calling them care groups because it's a place to care for each other. And so small groups or care groups become a place where relationships are developed, and as a result of those relationships, discipleship and leadership can occur. So I want to take a look at Scripture and see what it says about small group ministry. And in Acts chapter 2, we find the New Testament church and uh, what transpired there with small group ministry. Our three purposes in doing small groups, number one, is relationships. And we find a great example of this here in Acts chapter 2. Let's see here. Starting, let's start in verse 38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that the day of Pentecost has just happened. There is quite an uproar, quite an upheaval. upheaval. Uh, we were talking this week. We were, uh, were planning our church retreat that's coming up in March, which I won't take the time to talk about right now. But uh, someone said, well, we, we might not want to do it at a hotel because it might get too out of hand and too noisy, and, and uh, we don't want to disturb the people coming in and then thinking we're too Pentecostal. And uh, we've, uh, <laughs> reminded me, this, this verse always reminds me we were doing a young adult retreat and, and uh, again, we had all of our small groups for young adults come together and we did a retreat and the retreat was so loud, the, the presence of God came down in the room and uh, it was, it felt, I, I felt like it was the day of Pentecost, I mean it was like a hurricane or, uh, or northern terms, tornado, <laughs> either one, whatever, a good blast of wind came in that room, and it was try, like trying to stand or talk in a hurricane or tornado. And uh, I, at one point, I stepped out of the room because people kept coming in the room to check out what was happening. They could hear us down the hall and, and all of the worship and all of the tongues and all everything that was going on, and they kept coming in the room to check out what was happening. So I they thought it was a party, and uh, so I stepped out of the room to, to see how loud it really was, and it was so funny because the hotel staff were all gathered around talking about what was happening in the room. They had all come to check it out, saw people on the floor jumping, dancing, worshiping, and they thought we were all a bunch of lunatics. Um, but, but that was okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'd rather be a lunatic for Jesus than, uh, you know, drunk or whatever. That's another sermon. But Acts, Acts 2 reminds me of that. It says that, that they, there was this uproar and Peter had to get up and explain what was happening. 
And so he explains it. He preaches. And they said, what do we have to do? And he said, repent and be baptized. And this promise, I love verse 39. It says, this promise is to you, your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. It's not just for a select few. It's for everybody. The power of the Holy Spirit is for you. The Bible says that you know, our, our mission statement, our vision verse for the year is, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That power of the Holy Spirit is to empower us. The word there is to be martyrs. The word witness is the Greek word martyrs, that, that the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us to be effective ministers, not just the apostles, not just the people on the platform, not just the people that, that are called to full-time ministry. You have power through the Holy Spirit to be a witness. You. The ministry does not reside on what happens on the stage. The ministry resides in your hands. My job and, and the staff's job is to equip you to take it out and do something with it. And so that's what, we, that's what we're all about. These relationships provide a place for that to happen. And so we continue on reading and it says in verse 40, And with many other words he testified, exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so it goes on, and they continued daily with one accord. There are a couple of elements here about small groups as it relates to relationships that I want to point out. First off, what do you do with 3,000 people who get born again? You couldn't fit 3,000. We would have to have multiple services over you know, on a, on a weekend throughout the week to accommodate 3,000 people. And there's no, there is no way. I know, I know that you all love uh, Pastor Heather and I. I know you all think very highly of us and our staff, and we appreciate that. But there is no way that we can effectively, the two of us, disciple 3,000 people. And that wasn't the end of it. That was only the beginning of the thousands that was just the beginning of the thousands. And so the, the importance of small groups here, they met together. They would come together in large gatherings, much like we do. They would come together for teaching under the apostles. The apostles would teach the doctrine. They would teach the ways of God and who God is and, and teach the people how to live. And then they would go into their homes and have home meetings, small group meetings, where they would share together what they were hearing from the apostles and pray together about it. That's how, if you want to know how to live a victorious Christian life, it's not the 12-step program. It's doing life with each other and encouraging one another and building each other up. That is so fundamental to our Christianity that we meet together and encourage one another. Someone asked me in one of our leaders' meetings recently, how do you take a small group that's, that's struggling? Like if we have a small group that's already existing and it's struggling to grow and there's not much life, how do you, how do you bring life to it? Simple solution. 
Go get someone who's born, just got born again in your small group. Go get, matter of fact, go get somebody who's not even born again. Get them in your group. Get them born again. And that small group will be the best small group around. Everybody, you know, it's funny how you watch. If you've ever been in that situation where maybe you get dry in your Christianity and you feel like you don't have anything to offer and things get routine, go find someone to love on. Go find someone that's hurting worse than you are. And all of a sudden, there's a new spiritual passion and spiritual zeal because you have a little baby to take care of yourself. Amen. So I want to encourage you, small groups, the relationships that are developed are important for discipleship, the 3,000. Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were discussing what they were hearing and uh, what was being taught and preached. Our small group semesters will have three semesters throughout the year, and they're going to be based on what you hear uh, two semesters of the year will be based on what you hear in services. The discussion guides and such are based on and written based on the messages you hear. And so you can go and you begin to discuss and, and, de- and devour the Word of God for yourself. Don't just take, just don't take it for uh, face value what I'm saying. You go get in the Word. You dig around in Scripture. You begin to study with one another and find out what God's saying for you. They ate together. Man, there's nothing better than, than a Pentecostal church that loves to eat together. Amen. You always know, you can always tell when you're in a Pentecostal church or a Baptist church by the food they serve. They prayed together. That word prayed together, some of you may have heard me teach on this before, is the word prosecumite. It means that they prayed according to something. They were coming together and praying according to what was being preached and what was being taught. God, I thank you for our pastors. There's a revolutionary idea to pray for your pastors. Wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. That was a great little insight right there as I was talking. Just plug that in. Lord, thank you for my pastors. And I thank you, Lord, for what they've been preaching, that I need to be a part of a small group. Lord, what does that mean for me? Okay, now that I'm a part of a group, how do I encourage one another that, and build one another up? How do I do these things? And you begin to pray about it. And guess what? God's going to speak to you. God will speak to you if you take time to pray about what you're hearing. I don't preach, and our, and our ministry team don't teach and preach of our own accord. We pray and hear from God what needs to be spoken for the congregation. We really do. Isn't that good news? I'm sure there are other pastors that follow programs and whatever, and I'm sure all that's good. But we hear from God what needs to be said for our congregation, our church. We're leading with God at the, at the helm. We're leading with God directing. He is the head shepherd of this church. And I, I want to give to you what God's speaking to me. And then I want you to go and pray about it and receive it and eat it and dig around it. Then as you do that, God's going to speak to you about what you're hearing. Well, pastor, that challenges me and it makes me uncomfortable. And, you know, what you've been preaching, you know, you're touching those sore spots of my life. And it just makes good. That's conviction. It's It's not a bad thing. Yield to that. Yield to that. When God begins to challenge you through what's preached or, or the ministry time at the altar when God speaks to you and, God, and worship, God speaks to you during the worship, all of these things yield to what the Holy Spirit's dealing with. You might see your life get transformed and you might see others impacted as a result of it. That's what happened in the New Testament church. And then we see the supernatural ministry increased. 
says that the signs and the wonders were they increased that, that were being done. Wow. What a, what a revolutionary thought. I mean, this is, this, is, uh, this is God at work in the middle of His church. That when the church yields and submits to the authority and they begin to operate and flow together in the ministry that God's given them, that signs and wonders actually happen because of that. How do we live in a place as a church that impacts our community? I went this past week. I, I mentioned earlier I was in St. Louis. And uh, was able to connect with the director of the Dream Center in St. Louis while I was there. And uh, went on a tour of the Dream Center. And we talked, you know, shop basically about Dream Center plans. And it was, we had a great visit. Great t- I mean, you walk in. It was, uh, I could talk for hours about this. But the, you walk in and the building smelled clean. They had just had 250 homeless shower in the building. But it smelled and looked spick and span. And I was just... You know, as a, as a pastor, I know how much work that takes to get that done. And uh, I was just amazed. We had a great time. And uh, I, began to, I began to think about, all, you know, the dynamics of, of ministry. When you, begin, when you begin to operate and function in the ministry that God's called you to, Amen. and you begin to take on the... the the mantle of ministering to others, you begin to operate in the, in the power that God's made available to you, there's an increase of signs and wonders. Those homeless begin to come and get ministered to. The broken get, get ministered to. As you and I begin to flow together and we yield together and flow together, under the authority of heaven and the small group ministry, there will be signs and wonders that happen in your small group. There will be signs and wonders confirmed. Well, I don't know what to do with that. I've never, you know, well, Pastor, how do I handle that? Let it happen. <laughs> Let it increase. That, you know, one of the best things you can do is give opportunity for God to move in your small group and do something supernatural. The word fellowship here in Acts 2.42 is the word koinonia. They had supernatural partnership, supernatural fellowship. It's like a, a marriage, a marriage union is what it's uh, describing. God help us to flow together in the supernatural fellowship, the supernatural partnership. In 1 Corinthians 1.9 it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of a son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God has called us. First off, God who has called us is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. doesn't matter what you're facing this morning. God is faithful to perfect and to complete his work. You may feel like that God has given up on you. You may be here this morning and feel like God doesn't understand or nobody understands and and nobody sees the circumstances. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident, confident, being confident. I have confidence in this thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Not might, not maybe, not possibly, will complete his work that he's begun in you. And so when we have relationship through small groups, this fellowship, this partnership with God is expressed in our fellowship and partnership with one another. God is faithful to preserve or to keep. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For I know whom I have believed. I love this verse. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him 
until that day. God is able to preserve your, your life and the work that he has started in and through your life. Relationships through small groups remind us of this reality. When you're feeling discouraged or you feel like, man, you know, life couldn't get any worse. You have brothers and sisters. You have friends who have gathered around you in that small group who can rally together and build you up and say, don't forget what God put that verse back up. That God, God is able to keep and to preserve being confident. I am, I am persuaded that he is able I am pers- you need to get that. I feel like this is a word for somebody this morning that you need to get this in your spirit, man. Be fully persuaded that he stop vacillating between two opinions. Come on. Now I'm just going to pause for a moment because this this is where this is the Holy Spirit preach time where I vary from my notes and tell you what the Holy Spirit's saying specifically in this moment as it relates to you. Don't get offended with me. This is the Holy Spirit for you. Because I know somebody's going to walk out of here and say, well, Pastor Sam, I love you too. Stop vacillating between two opinions. It's like, you know, those, what are those things that the kids ride the seesaw? You know, you got, you got, it's like you've got the God on one side and the devil on the other, and you're caught in the middle. You're just going between the two. Would you just, I, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's just saying this morning, would you just make up your mind? <laughs> Stop vacillating. You know what the Word says. You know what God's spoken over your life. Why even bother with the seesaw? Why even put, you're, you're torturing yourself. It's getting real quiet in here. This, that's a good sign that God's speaking to somebody. When it gets quiet, you know that God's stepping on somebody's toes. You're torturing yourself going between the two opinions. If, if all I ever did as a pastor was, was go between what everybody said about me and tell me what I ought to do as a pastor, I would be running around in circles. Because <laughs> everybody has a different opinion. Everybody says, well, let's go this way. Let's go with that way. I need God. What do you say? That's where I'm going. And that's what you've got to do. You have to get some spiritual tenacity in your life, some spiritual backbone, and say, what has God said about my life? What has God spoken? That's what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. It doesn't matter what my parents think about it, granny, grandpa, auntie, uncle, whoever. God said, this is what his word says. Now understand because I, I know the generation that we live in, people will say, well, God said, and it, does, it, can, it conflicts with the word. So when God says, it lines up with his word. God said, his word said, and this is what I'm going to do, period. Stop vacillating. Okay, thank you, Lord. That's a good word for somebody. God is faithful to keep and to preserve. And then God's faithful to reward. In Romans chapter 8, I love this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, we'll start there. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So you and I, the reward of Christ is is my reward. The reward of Christ is your reward. Whatever Jesus, the reward, the promises of God for Jesus are the promises for your life. That, that's a good deal. That's a real good deal. I can, I can take, it would be like going to the bank. If you go to the bank with a, with a withdrawal slip and you put that withdrawal slip through the bank, 
you're, you're pulling out funds of your account, right? You're, you've put whatever, you want 100 bucks, you write it on the withdrawal, or you, you know, now, nowadays everything's through the debit card, but you're making a withdrawal. You make a demand on your account and you withdraw it. Being a joint heir with Christ is like going to God and saying, here's my, here's my withdrawal slip, but it's got Jesus' name and Jesus' account on it. So whatever's in his account, I'll take. I want it all. And you, you can have $5, you can have $10, you can have $50, but I want a blank, blank withdrawal. I want it all. Whatever Jesus has got, that's what I want. That's what it means to be a joint heir with Christ, that we have available all authority, all blessing, all spiritual, everything you and I need is available in Jesus. God's faithful. So these relationships that we have through small groups enable us to live this life, encourage us to live this life, remind us that God's faithful. Fellowship with God produces Christ-centered community with others. I want to give you 10 scriptural reasons for relationships. They might be on the screen or in your notes, but uh, 10 reasons for relationships. One, it's a picture of the body of Christ. Number two, it's sharpening and perfecting one another. When you get together in, in that small group, (laughs) <laughs> there's going to be somebody, I promise, that will rub you a little wrong way. And that's good because they're going to perfect you and shape you and encourage you. There's going to be somebody that, that thinks they can do it better than you. Yep. Let them. Yep. It might be good for you to give up control. Let them. Number three, you worship and you minister together. It's so powerful. Uh, you know, getting together in, in corporate settings, worshiping together, is, I love, and it's the best thing of, of my week. But man, it, there's something powerful about worshiping together in the small group. When you worship together, whether it's pressing play on your CD player, or you have somebody playing the guitar, or whatever it is, a DVD, worship DVD, whatever it is. I love, one of my favorite things to do in a small group is to, to turn off the song at some point, turn off all the noise, and just sing an old chorus a cappella together. And there's, there's just something, something supernatural that happens in that moment when people begin to become united in worship and then begin to minister together. Number four, we're a corporate tabernacle for God's presence, 1 Peter 2.5, that we, we are a house, we're a dwelling place being built together for the presence of God. We're to encourage one another, Romans 14.19, we're to encourage and build up one another. Number six, we're to outdo one another in love, in Romans 12.10. When's the last time that you tried to outdo someone in love? <laughs> you know, that's so much fun. It really is. It's so much fun to look for ways to bless somebody. I, I, don't, I, lo- I don't do it enough, but I love finding those little, just those little things that would just encourage somebody, whether it's a note. You know, I, I, one of the things that I do often is just send notes. I send thank you notes. I send follow-up notes. I, I love handwriting notes, just saying, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you do. God bless you. But, you know, sending little gifts in the mail, surprising me, whatever. Look for those simple things to outdo one another in love. Inspire one another, number seven, inspire one another in godly living. You know, Hebrews says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. Why? Because we're, the, the days are getting evil, but we inspire, as a result of our gathering together, we inspire one another to godly living. Number eight, we gain wisdom from one another. Yep. Yep. You don't know it all. 
<laughs> there are people around you who have experience and wisdom that can offer insight. Maybe there's somebody in your small group that's been through a similar situation that can offer wisdom for what you're facing. Number nine, to learn to walk in unity. Why do we gather? To learn to walk in unity. You may not like or agree or want to like or anything that I do or Pastor Heather does, or your small group leader does, or whatever the case is. But when you begin to get together in a group, and you say, God, I realize you've placed me in this group. You've brought me into this church or this small group. Teach me how to walk in unity. When you stop praying prayers, Lord, I pray that you would change our pastor. I, you know, he's just a mess. I don't know. He's not wearing a suit again today. Oh, my goodness. God, help us. I'm going to hell because I don't have a suit on. Oh, my Lord. My filter just left. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when you get lost in the Holy Ghost. You just never know what's going to come out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah, unity. We, Lord, stop changing. <laughs> I was debating how far I wanted to go down that path. <laughs> When we, when we, when we, God, change me. Why do I get so ruffled that I, I'm just picking now? But God, why do my feathers get so ruffled when I don't see the pastor in a suit? It's a great prayer to pray. I'd like to know. <laughs> just ask him. Just ask him. And maybe God might speak to you and might reveal something deeper in your own life that has nothing to do with me. You know, it's funny. We've had... We've had, uh, and I'm serious about that. You laugh, but I'm serious. We, uh, we had, I can't tell you how many times we've been told this. Well, I don't like you because you remind me of ex-family member that was just extreme Pentecostal. <laughs> Believe me, I've seen a lot of fruitcakes in my days. So there's, a, there's a lot of nuts and fruits and all. There's a, it's a whole box of cereal out there in the, in the <laughs> Pentecostal world. I've seen it. I've been around it. I've been there. There's, you know, we can go through and name the who's who of the charismatic zoo today if you want. But um, it's not productive. Let's just stay away from it. There's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of that out there. And, and we've seen it. We've, we've been around. I've been around some of those folks. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. God helped me to have, the, have biblical balance. Not, not man balance. Help me to have biblical balance. For, for Pentecostal Christianity. So as you begin to pray in those situations, you know, we always encourage people. Obviously, God is pointing out issues in your heart as a result of us. We just happen to be the vessel, but it's you that God's after, not me. Don't be offended with me. I love you. <laughs> you know, I just want to see God's best. I want to see you get changed. I want to see God revolutionize your life. It's God that's after you. God's working in your life. And in those small group settings, you, you come together and you pray. And we have some great leaders. We have about 40 different small groups that are starting. And we have some great leaders of those small groups. And there, you go to one of those leaders. I'm gonna, uh, I'll pick on you know, Steve because he's in my line of sight. <laughs> Steve's a great leader. Steve, wave your hand because not everybody knows who you are. So I'm picking on Steve. You know, Steve's, Steve is a great leader. If you go to Steve... And say, Steve, man, I just don't understand why Pastor Zach, here I go again, doesn't wear the suit. I'm stuck on the suit. I apologize. Whatever. I don't like the color of the pews. Neither do I. Thank you, Jesus. 
you know, whatever the case is, if you go to Steve, Steve's going to say, you know what? I hear what you're saying. Let's pray about that. Let's, let's, let's research that. Let's think about it and let's pray about it. And then chances are, he's probably not going to come to me, because Steve's a great leader. He's not going to come to me and start telling me, oh, Pastor Zach, you won't believe what so-and-so did, and blah, 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 blah. He's going to keep it. He's going to pray on it. And chances are, that person's going to get the victory, hopefully, at some point. If not, Steve's going to beat him up, because he's a great leader. <laughs> <He'll>, <laughs> Just joking. Moving right along. Second purpose for small groups is discipleship. In Mark chapter 3, I love, I love this. In Mark chapter 3, it says in verse 13, And he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him, and then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, they, that, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness, cast out demons, etc. First thing discipleship does in our lives is it causes transformation in our life. Discipleship is not self-help, it's transformation. If, if all you want from Christianity is just to improve your life, you're missing out on what discipleship is all about. Christ calls us to walk with Him, not in our sinful past. You forsake your past and you walk with Christ. Uh, when you first got born again, uh, and, and maybe you're here this morning, you're not born again yet. When you get born again... There, there will be things in your life you'll notice, immediate changes. Some of you may remember. Some of you may be a while back and you've got to think of ways. But you'll remember that certain things just began to change. Maybe you used to, you know, use profanity like a sailor and, and God began to transform that and clean your mouth up. Or, you know, maybe it was bad attitudes. Whatever the case is, there's, there's things that begin to immediately change because of walking with Christ, not the world. But the longer that you're on that journey, Jesus begins to pull out some of the deeper issues in your heart. Then all of a sudden you realize, like the person a couple weeks ago told me, I thought I had forgiven that person. And then here you are teaching on this and doing this, and I realize... I haven't, for, I haven't completely forgiven them. I forgave them for one aspect of what they did to me, but not this. And God begins to unravel more and more. Maybe you're here this morning, and like I said, that you felt offended with me. and Because uh, that's going to happen, because I'm the pastor, and that's my job is to offend. And you begin to press into God, and you walk with God, and God begins to pull that out. And you realize it's not Pastor Zach. It's God transforming my life. I love our intern meetings. I have a monthly meeting with all of our interns. And it's so funny sitting there uh, because, you know, they, they are in saturation mode. As an intern, they have to be in the presence of God. They have to be reading their Bible. They have to be studying. And, and they sit with me for a four-hour meeting, you know, once a month. And so they get hammered at that four. Believe me, that's not, you know, it's not a fun journey being an intern with Pastor Zach because, you know, the whole point is you're going to grow, you know. And uh, so we'll go through our list, and it, it's so awesome to watch as the presence of God affects their lives. And, all, you know, this past meeting, it was so funny watching all of them. Uh, it was just a God moment. I just sat there, and I literally sat back in my chair and just watched and listened as they all began to burp out things that God was doing in their life. And two hours later, I'm still sitting waiting to finish what I was saying earlier because all of them just began to go around and I think everybody at the table was crying and repenting and, and being ministered to one another because of what God was doing. And so those, that discipleship journey is important. God wants to transform our lives. Being secure 
in my justification, some of you may have, me, may have heard me say this before, being secure in my justification allows me freedom to cooperate with God in my sanctification. When you know that you're born again and that God's called you, He's chosen you, the Bible says that Jesus called to those He Himself wanted. Jesus called you. He wants you. When you realize that you're wanted by Him, you're wanted by Jesus, it, it doesn't matter anymore about how... He's convicting you or changing you or transforming you. You don't get all caught up in the details because now all of a sudden, it's a love relationship with Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. And yes, he's going to deal with that area of my life and it may be uncomfortable, but I realize he wanted me. He chose me. He called me out. His desire is for you. Why does God transform us? When you put this quote up, God is so secure in his own glory that He displays His glory in redeeming us and changing us. It's not our works, it's not our petitions, our prayers, or our preaching, but the greatest display of God's glory is found when His yielded vessels, the radiance of God's glory shines through. How does the glory of God begin to radiate through your life? Yield. Yield. When God, when God says, I was talking to Ray this week on the phone when I was out of town, and Ray and I were chatting, he said, you know, someone asked me to lead a small group, and I thought... How in the world could I lead a small group? How, what do I have to offer to a small group? And they say, you know, I realized all I have to do is yield. All I have to do is be faithful and yield. And when you yield, the glory of God begins to shine through. That transforming discipleship, the walk with Jesus. And then also discipleship recognizes and develops the purposes of God in our lives. When you begin to yield, the Bible says here in Mark, thir- in Mark 3 that Jesus appointed them. When that word appointed means that he made them into something. That word appointed means that he was making them into something. You and I are God's masterpiece. Do you realize the longer that you the, the longer that you complain, the longer that you run from or ignore, the more that you delay the masterpiece at work in your own life. When you yield, you say, God, here am I, I'm gonna stop fighting this. I'm gonna just yield. And the glory of God begins to shine through. And then the third purpose of small groups we find in Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. I love the story of Moses and his multi-millions. <laughs> and it wasn't money. He had, he had a bunch of fussing Jews he had to deal with. The third, the third purpose of small groups is relationships. Moses and the relationships. In Exodus chapter 18... And starting in verse 13, it says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Can you imagine having to come to church and, and present your, your groans to me and Pastor Heather all day long and standing in line? And that's what's, that's what's happening here. So when Moses' father-in-law saw that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they had difficulty, they come to me, when I, and I judge between one another, make known to them the statutes. And so Moses' father-in-law said to them, The thing that you do is not good. <laughs> not good. This is not good. Both you and these people, notice this, it wasn't just Moses that, that his father-in-law Jethro was addressing. He said, you and these people who are with you will wear yourselves out. 
For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God and you shall teach them the statutes of the law and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as uh, such as fear God, men of truth, hate, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And then let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will go into their place with peace. The, just a couple of lessons here from Moses' leadership. First off, there's God appointed and God delegated authority. First off, in Ephesians 4, we see that God appoints apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. And then those, the leadership of the church submitted to God appoints this delegated authority. That is what small group leadership is all about. Limited leadership equals burnout. If you expect me to come and stand and sit and judge and do everything for you, that's not my job. I burn out, you burn out, the church burns out, and we just close the doors. That's not healthy. It's not healthy. The ministry, as we said earlier, is in your hands. God has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to carry out ministry to the world around you. My job is to equip and to train you, to release you, to, to share with you who God is. The Samaritan woman had a five-minute encounter with Jesus, and she goes out, and the whole city's changed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be born again for six months, a year, or whatever. Begin to share what God has done in your life. It may begin and should begin, ought to begin in your small group. A lot of times people say, well, I want to share my testimony. i got to get up and share my testimony, what God's doing. And, and they want to get up behind the pulpit, and they want to preach is what they want to do. Start in your small group. Share your testimony and what God's doing in your small group. Preach all you want in your small group. And then guess what? Your small group leader is going to come to me and say, Hey, Pastor Zach, this is so-and-so is going through this, or this is happening in their life. I thought you ought to know this. Moses' job, we find here in this uh, teaching from Jethro, Moses' job. First off, his job was to be a representative of God to the people and a representative of the people to God. My job is to represent you before God and, and God before you. That is my job. Secondly, is to teach the people about God. My job is not to teach you how to be a better you. My job is to teach you who God is. The more that you understand who God is, the more that you'll change. When you behold His glory, you'll be transformed into that glory. I'll teach you about godly living. That's, that's another job. Delegate and train other leaders. Fourthly, the fourth thing that Moses was to do was to delegate and train other leaders. They judge the small. The larger matter comes before the, the pastor. We have incredible pastoral staff. I'm not just saying that about myself and Pastor Heather, Pastor Joe and Grace and uh, Pastor Bill. We have a great pastoral team, Pastor Jenna. We have great pastors. Their job is to present God before you, to teach you about God and to teach and, and to show the ways of God. Your job is to carry the work of the ministry to the others. Y'all getting quiet on me. And then lastly, we see here that endurance and peace result as appropriate leadership happens. 
How does strife continue? How does discontent continue? You don't have leadership in the appropriate place. But when you have leadership structure and, and, and follow God's set leadership, there's endurance and there's peace in the house. Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's a place of commanded blessing. I'm going to ask Grace if she'll come to the platform. Uh, the rest of the band doesn't need to, but Grace can. Inside your bulletin, there is a, there is a care group sign-up card. And this is how we're going to close service today. Inside everyone's bulletin, there's a care group sign-up card. And I want to encourage you to sign up for a care group. Um, if, you're, if you're leading a table or whatever, you don't have to leave yet. I'll give you, you're going to have plenty of time in a moment. I want, I want everyone to hear about care groups. Care groups, uh, specifically, this is what they are. It's community, it's discipleship. What I just said, it's relationship, discipleship, it's leadership. We want you to engage in a care group. They are going to be semester-based. That means three months. We'll have three semesters a year. Three months, three months. We're not asking you to commit to a whole year and perpetual, unending until Jesus comes back small group. We're asking you to commit to three months. Sign up for three months. Commit to three months. I think everybody can do that. Most of them meet weekly. Some meet every other week. At minimum, everybody ought to be meeting twice a month. Some of our planning, some of our ministry teams meet monthly, but most everybody meets twice a month. There's three types of groups. There's home groups, the small group we're talking about in the home. There's play groups. We have activity groups that go and they run. Uh, Heather's got a running group where they run together and do a devotion together. And then there's teaching groups like Sunday school. Sunday school is a teaching group. It's a type of small group, but it's a teaching group. What we expect from everybody in their care groups, one, Join a group and participate. Don't just sign a form and then never show up. <laughs> Join a group and participate in a group. It will change your life, I promise you. And then invite everybody else to come to your group. <laughs> you join it, and then everybody you know needs to get an invite to come to that group at some point. Hey, I'm a part of this small group. Why don't you come? That's how evangelism happens. And it's a safe environment. It's a safe environment for them to come to that group, and before you know it, you'll find them in church. And then, like I said earlier, we have uh, 40 different small groups that are launching. So there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, in just a moment, we have tables. I'm sure that you saw as you came in, there's tables out in the foyer with all the different various groups you can sign up at in just a moment. But you can also go online. We have a small group directory on our website. It says find a group. You can sign up online. Um, and then there's also care group information on the website as well. Four things that care groups do. I'm just giving you quick information. Four things. They meet together, whether it's once a week or twice a month. They serve together. They play together. Your small group leader will do a, a semester activity, a fun activity. You can do it more if you want. Potluck. Go do something fun together. And then engage and serve in evangelism together. So hopefully, while I've talked about this, you've had a chance to pull out that form and take a look at it. Maybe you're here this morning and this is your first Sunday ever or first Sunday in a long time. I want to encourage you to get apart, get, get in a small group. That is a great place to get to know people. You may not know anybody. Um, if you're a young adult, Pastor Joe, Joe, why don't you stand up so people can see. Pastor Joe is our young adult's pastor. You can see him. Thanks, man. You can see him if you're a young adult and get connected with young adults. Pastor Bill uh, is our men's pastor. He'll help you get connected with men. Pastor Heather is our women's pastor. Pastor Grace is creative arts. Pastor Jenna, of course, is with the children, and, and she's our youth and children's pastor. But there are plenty of opportunities. 
to get connected. As your pastor, I realize small groups is, is a newer thing. Uh, it's been done here in the past. Um, some success, some not. But we've made a commitment to small group ministry. Small group ministry is the core. It is the core structure. Hear what I'm saying? It is the core structure for leadership, relationships, and discipleship in our church. If we were, if we are going to grow, how many of you want to grow? How many of you want to see the city impacted, this region impacted? Yep, we all do. We're going to do that. It happens as a result of small groups being effective. It happens as a result of small groups being effective. So why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. How many of you, God, encouraged you this morning? That word was encouraging to you this morning. God spoke to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for you. And as I pray, if you're, if you're one of the leaders that needs to be at a table, you're dismissed. But I'm gonna, I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to bless you as you go. Father, I thank you for all of those in our congregation, Lord, that have committed themselves to be a part of this family. Lord, I pray for your blessing, your anointing on them. Lord, your blessing on their families, your blessing on their homes. Father, that their businesses, their jobs would be blessed. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we pray that you will bless our small group ministry. Lord, let it be an opportunity to make a difference in the Great Lakes region. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday night at 7. Stop by our care group table, get signed up for a care group. Drop your forms off out there and they'll get you signed up. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.